Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, we have Patrick Johnson. Hey, Patrick, thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you teach, how long you've been teaching. So this is my fifth year of teaching. Um, When I moved to New York, I did the Teaching Fellows Program, um, which I would not recommend to anyone. Um, And (laughs) it's been two years teaching middle school science uh, in East New York, um, which is a very low income Caribbean neighborhood. Um, And I was called to this profession because I love children so, so, so much. Um, But unfortunately that school uh, was run pretty poorly. So I transferred and am now teaching as a high school biology teacher in um, Midwood High School. Uh, which is in Flatbush, uh, right in Brooklyn College. Um, I teach uh, biology, what we would call living environment um, in New York State, and I teach mostly um, integrated co-teaching. So that means I have special ed children in my classroom, um, low-level mainstream children, and I have a co-teacher who's a special ed um, specialist. Oh, okay. Science. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm a theater teacher that was had to teach science this year, If I had known earlier, I would have called you for some advice on how to teach science. So that's (laughs) great. (laughs) So tell me, first of all, how are you and your family doing during this um, pandemic? Um, I'm a military family, so everyone's just kind of everywhere. Um, You know, I have family abroad. I have family in Florida. I have family in Las Vegas. I have family in all across the country. Um, So I'm, I'm definitely the worst impacted because it's uh, the epicenter now uh, globally. Um, I don't really have any uh, family in, I have one cousin in Manhattan, but um, I'm fortunate enough as a teacher um, to still be getting a paycheck. Um, So I'm definitely doing better than a lot of the families I serve. Yeah. And so, um, and, and tell me again, how many years you've been teaching? This is my fifth year. This is your fifth year. So tell me how this um, pandemic has affected you and with remote teaching, what has that been like for you? Um, I think for me, it's been easier than for older teachers who've been teaching for a while. Um, You know, I'm in a school with people who've been literally teaching for over 50 years. Um, And, you know, the way that they taught was before the internet existed. (laughs) Um, And so this is a really tough transition for lots of people. For me, it wasn't so difficult um, being a digital native, I guess they call me, um, and having already used things like Google Classroom um, and Zoom conferencing, I've been using as an organizer for a while. Um, So I was just familiar with that technology. So for me, it wasn't a very difficult transition professionally it's a difficult transition as a human um knowing that like what's the point of me putting this lesson up um (laughs) like children don't need to be learning about biology right now um they need support um you know these are kids who didn't have laptops until the government just bought them one recently um kids who are in very low income families, um, 
you know, often have predatory landlords who live in neighborhoods that have been ignored for or redlined um, for generations. You know, the, 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 the problem, the priority for me is not, you know, how do I most effectively teach a child about the circulatory system? Um, for me, it's about how do I use my position to galvanize people in this crisis toward a better society, um, toward a better educational system overall. Um, you know, our schools weren't being properly funded in the first place. Um, AQE, I'm not sure if you're familiar, the Alliance for Quality Education, um, they've had a lawsuit for years. Um, the, the state government has not been providing the necessary funds, particularly to low-income and minority-heavy schools. Um, and now we're cutting education even more in the mobile crisis. So for me, the priority really isn't... <laughs> Uh, teaching kids about some science stuff. It's cool science stuff, and if, if they have the time and the access to learn about it, that's great, but so many kids don't. Um, a lot of these kids are scared because their parents are essential workers, um, which tend to be low-income, working-class minority populations more heavily, um, and they don't get to have this you know, relaxation time that some wealthier people do. Um, they're going through really tough times right now, and uh, I'm trying to use my position with my students to support them emotionally um, and galvanize other teachers to taking action. So what is it looking like for you for remote learning? Because um, I know in my school, it's been somewhat difficult to get some of the students online. So yeah. what what is that looking like for you, remote learning in your community? Um, it looks like teachers doing a bunch of work uh, for very little uh, participation. Um, you know, it's going to depend on the level of the child. Um, so if you're teaching, like me, a lot of special ed kids, um, and people who are lower income are more likely to be classified for these, um, these disabilities, mostly because, personally, I think we mislabel poverty. <laughs> um, kids who have, weren't taught to read um, now suddenly have attention deficit disorder. Um, and there are legitimate, you know, uh, I think there are legitimate things, uh, legitimate learning disorders, but um, you have to ask yourself, why is it that your income heavily predicts <laughs> your classification? Um, but regardless, these are kids who are under-resourced um, and frankly have better things to do with their time. I mean, I teach high schoolers, so a lot of them are actually caretakers in their home for younger siblings, for elderly people who cohabitate with them. So yeah, if I have um, a video con conference with my class of 34 kids, maybe two join. Um, oh my God. And you know, I've had video conferences where no one joined. And you know, I don't, I don't take it personally, I'm like, you know what, they have better things going on or more <laughs> uh, yeah. great things to think about, honestly. Do they have, now, do they have devices? Were they, were they all supplied with devices and internet connections? Supposedly, the city bought, I think, somewhere upwards of 300,000 um, or maybe 600,000 laptops for distribution. Um, but, you know, that presumes that we bought enough, that we got them to everybody, that families knew about them. Um, it also presumes that they even have like working internet. Um, I have kids who, um, and because of the, the nature of remote learning, I don't give like multiple choice work, I give essays, because um, it's you know, easier to see if kids are plagiarizing, whatever. Um, 
and there's kids typing on their phones these entire essays <laughs> and trying to do like a work cited and citations oh my God, um, oh my or they're and honestly a lot of them are sharing their devices too um you know in these under-resourced neighborhoods it's expected that you know I'll have the phone for two hours and then my sister will do her math homework. Like it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, and we are now getting less work. Um, but you know, some, part of me feels like let's just do a redo with this whole year. <laughs> like, yeah, um, seriously. Like, like just promote kids. Um, and then when the pandemic is over, provide the neediest ones, with tons and tons and tons of extra supports on Saturdays, um, next summer, um, but we're not gonna get this time back and trying to recreate a normal school schedule or normality with a very abnormal times to me doesn't make sense. Yeah. The parents now um, are stay at home uh, teachers, right? They, a lot of them are essential workers. They're going to a grocery store, they're going to a hospital, what have you they're working 10, 12 hours and they're coming home and they have to teach all this material to their kids because the reality is you can't learn from someone virtually. You just can't, you need someone there with you, particularly for um, uh, special needs children. Like I, I can't just give them material in a video and say, okay, figure it out. Um, that's what I kind of have to do in this, in terms of, you know, not overwhelming them, but, I, I really can't, I'm, I'm not there. And so the, the, the learning right now is not genuine, authentic quality learning. So it falls onto the parents to pick up the slack and you know, they're not certified teachers and they didn't sign up for this and they shouldn't have to. And how supportive are you, how supportive are the parents with this? Are you getting a lot of parental, parental involvement? Um, at my school there's not strong parental uh, involvement. Um, that tends to be weaker in high schools. There tends to be a lot more in the primary schools. Um, and there's, there's so many linguistic groups represented in my school. It's, it's very hard to do outreach. Um, like I'll have a classroom that literally has uh, English, Spanish, um, Haitian Creole, Patois, Russian, Urdu, uh, Kazakh, Ukrainian, Mandarin, Cantonese, like in the same classroom. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, wow. Like, so, yeah, parent, parental involvement is very difficult. Um, and the DOE has stopped doing um, direct translation services, to my knowledge. <gasps> oh, you're kidding. So you're not even getting translation for these students? Oh, no. Not, not my, my, my school, anyway. Oh, dear. I mean, that is... So, so you're, you are an activist yourself, I know. So can you tell me about a little bit about your activism? And tell us what MORE is, because of people don't know what that is. Yeah, so MORE uh, stands for a Movement of Rank-and-File Educators. Um, it's a caucus of the UFT, the United Federation of Teachers, which is the teacher union in New York City. Um, MORE is, I would call it like the, easily the most left-wing um, caucus of the union. Um, I would call it the socialist uh, wing, but then that made me just, uh, wishful thinking. Um, so essentially we exist because the UFT is not democratic at all. Um, unions come in all shapes and sizes. Some are really great and ones like ours um, are not. And when I say that, what I'm referring to specifically is 
do the rank and file members, which is, you know, people on the ground, the teachers, the, the school aides, the librarians, um, do they have a voice in what happens in the union? And the answer is no. It's very, very top down. For example, a few months ago, we were organizing to allow us to have a vote in endorsing um, someone for the presidential race. Um, because how it happened before, how it's happened pretty much every year, is the president of the UFT sits down with maybe his small circle and says, okay, this is the person we're endorsing. And that endorsement comes with a lot of money, right? Um, and that's where my union dues go, supposedly. So we were just pushing for a simple like, hey, what if the union members voted on who the union endorses? Like such a novel idea. Um, and <laughs> Makes and sense. we had a lot of people uh, signing this petition, a lot of people on our side, a lot of schools, including my school, that I um, got to endorse this petition. And they just laughed us down. Like, no. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, but also in, within this, this crisis, uh, the union has not really fought for us. So right now it is um, spring break, or was supposed to be my spring break. And I'm actually... Uh, you know, technically missing, well, I, I was there for the first part of it, um, a meeting, a work meeting, um, and was going to be putting up schoolwork. Um, fortunately, my school, my APs are actually taking care of that for us. Um, but it's frustrating, like, Cuomo thinks of us as babysitters. Um, de Blasio, pretty much the same. Um, the, 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 the argument for canceling the week that we we're supposed to have off was if kids aren't assigned work, then they'll just go outside and spread the virus, um, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, that reasoning doesn't make any sense. Um, but they canceled our spring break and the UFT, when I say the UFT, I mean UFT leadership, basically said, okay. Like they didn't fight for us. Um, and that's really scary precedent. You were an activist, so what, what are you doing to make a difference? to make change, how, how do you go about doing that for your, you know, with more and other, other people, other organizations you're involved with? So on the, so I do lots of different types of organizing uh, with, as a, as a worker, um, I try to make my chapter in my own school look like how I think the whole chapter should be, which is um, worker driven, bottom up power. Uh, democratic, everyone has a voice, everyone is decision maker. Um, with more, we've worked on campaigns. Um, the run we recently, I don't say we won because right after we announced our, our, our position, it was announced uh, that the exams would be canceled. Um, and then we pushed for not only to be the regents exam, sorry, not only for the regents exams to be canceled, but they should also be waived for all kids. And we did get that, which is great. Um, we also collaborate with AQE, Alliance for Quality Education, fighting for um, equitable school funding. Um, and on the, I'm also a tenant organizer. Yeah. You, you're a full-time teacher and it sounds like you have your um, hands in many, many, many different areas of, of active, yeah. activism, which is pretty amazing. What do you, how do you feel about like the perception of teachers right now? Because I, um, you know, I heard a reporter say, uh, I keep mentioning this to the people I interview, but it's just, I'm still blown away by it, that uh, teachers are very selfish for wanting a break. Like, what, what do you need a break for? Because you're already home 
so what do you have better to do um, with your time? And, you know, this sort of perception that teachers have it really easy right now, like they're, mm -hmm. you know, but like, what is the reality of that for you? Um, so just respond, I don't know who that reporter was, um, <laughs> um, but that sounds like someone who has never taught a day in their life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, teachers are some of the most hardworking and heart-filled people in the planet. Um, them and nurses, which, you know, tend to work, you know, uh, sectors of our economy that were historically and to this day still filled mostly by women. Um, and we have to give uh, respect to the very, very hardworking women who have gotten us to where we are now. Um, but we need a break because <laughs> uh, we're supporting our families, we're supporting our communities, um, and our kids, particularly our low-income kids, which is the majority of kids in the city. Um, this people, a lot of people don't realize that New York City is the most uh, unequal city in the country by far. Um, we have over a hundred billionaires and yet a hundred thousand children slept in a shelter last year. That's unbelievable. Um, yeah, people, yeah, people don't really realize how uh, horribly terrible the city is in terms of income inequality. I love this city so, so much. It's my home, but it is uh, really, really bad for working people. Yeah. And so to so those people who say that, uh, why do you need a break? Um, we need a break to take care of people that we love um, in our communities. Um, a lot of teachers, myself included, are on the forefront of some mutual aid efforts, um, which is getting food and medicine and financial relief to the people who really, really need it, who are at risk, who are sick, who are vulnerable, who are caretakers of the vulnerable. Um, we, we, we need time to also take care of ourselves. And there's nothing yeah. selfish in wanting to take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, self-care is a big issue because a lot of times teachers, I mean, from what I know that, that a lot of teachers are working like throughout the day and, and they have maybe have small children with them also mm -hmm. that they have to take care of. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's really, it's difficult to yeah. try to balance all that. And I don't, I think that they're, that people don't quite understand what teachers are going through. So let me ask you a question. What's happening right now is that the number came out yesterday that about 40 teachers have died yeah. um, because of coronavirus. And um, we were required as teachers to go in three extra days after, mm -hmm. um, after there was a quarantine um, yeah. to do remote learning. And I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Well, that's another perfect example of how um, UFT leadership did not stick up for us. Um, it was ridiculous that we were expected to work another three days after it's very clear. And by the way, schools only closed because organizers like myself and other more organizers had a call of hundreds of teachers across the city organizing a sick out. We would not have had schools canceled at that or closed at that point if we had not done that because the UFT was not pushing for it. Um, and then when we did get schools closed, but they wanted to come in three days, the UFT did not support us in that. Um, and people have lost days um, that they built up, like sick days and stuff, um, because they were scared to go to work. I didn't go in two days, two of those days. 
I was, I was like, this is ridiculous. Not for myself, but for my coworkers. I have coworkers that I sit right next to who are much older, who are diabetic. Um, one is a leukemia survivor. So like literally her immune system <laughs> was compromised um, and, it's, and she got sick. You know, she got um, sick. Is she okay? She got sick. Uh, she's recovering, um, but it was really scary, right? Do and you other, feel other, like multiple do you, people might have got sick? Do you feel like anybody was? Do you feel like anybody was impacted in that in those three days um, that we were we we went back because we were not required to have masks at that point or gloves. We didn't really know about that, but I always wonder like what how many lives were at stake because. Yeah we were told that we had to be there and did you get a lot out of those three days like did no, you, I got nothing. because i don't i haven't talked to any teacher who felt like it was helpful um we are not our, our school and I, I, it's different for me because i'm in an elementary school but we were not equipped for online learning and i don't yeah. know what, what it was like for you but we um you know we it, it was just a lot of scrambling around trying to figure yeah. out what to do and then it was over and then we kind of like left to our own devices yeah. to try to figure out what to do the, the most useful thing that came out of it was teachers helping each other it was not yes. coming from administration and it certainly wasn't coming from the doe they were not yeah. providing anything yeah um, so they made us go to work and endanger ourselves for literally no reason it was very very frustrating so how are you caring for your students like what are you doing for your students right now to support them like what are some of the things that you can do to support your students and do you have any stories about that um, so I take emotional learning very, very seriously. Actually, I think it's more important than science. Um, so before the pandemic, um, every day in my class, my students would meditate and they reflect on a question about themselves and about their lives and about their relationships and about their thought processes. And they'd share out, um, and grow, we'd grow and learn from each other and grow together as people. Um, so I wanna continue doing that. Um, one example, oh God, I have so many. Um, we were meditating on, I think it was, a pic, it was a picture of two hands touching each other, right? So sometimes they give them pictures and they just share what comes to their mind. And one girl, was talking about how, you know, the hands were pulling away from each other. And everyone else in the class was like, no, it's the hands joining. And that was an opportunity for us to ask her, like, why do you see hands separating, right? It's, it's subjective, but why do you see that? And, you know, it became a big story about um, her relationship with her mother and how she doesn't feel connected to her. And that's why she can't trust people, right? And that didn't just come out of nowhere. Like we'd been building up rapport with her for a while. Um, but those moments are really, really important, especially now for kids when they're going through so much stress and their families are going through so much hardship. Um, I'm trying to provide uh, that for them still. Um, so I can put up on Google Classroom, I can put up meditation music and um, questions, uh, like a daily question for them to meditate on, um, an opportunity, like a little forum for them to share with each other. Um, have, so, you know, it's, it's not... It's not have, students, have students come to you and like talk to you about how they're feeling? Are you getting any, is it, because I know we're also as teachers therapists yeah. too sometimes. So um, are students talking to you about what it's like for them? Um, a lot of them aren't to me specifically, probably because um, they've 
you know, more influential people in their lives to talk to, like their parents or grandparents. Um, but a few have, you know, during video conferences, um, just kind of like stopped in the lesson and been like, Mr. Johnson, when do we go, get to go back to school? Yeah. Um, so they're, they're, kids aren't having fun. It's not like a party for the kids. It's really not. Um, they can't even go outside and see their friends. It's heartbreaking, right? It's, yeah. How do you think it's going to impact us in the fall? Like, what do you think, what do you see coming when we go back to school, when we're finally allowed to go back in the classroom? Um, <laughs> I don't have much faith in the curve flattening soon. Um, and that's partly because, you know, I've, I've worked with a, uh, some nonprofits trying to get PPE to the state department of health. Um, so I've kind of seen a little bit into that system and it took us like two weeks to even get them to talk to us. And we were literally trying to donate thousands and thousands and thousands of PPE for free from some nonprofits. Um, so the people at the helm, uh, I would say are not, uh, competent consistently. And also, um, their interests aren't necessarily always working people, right? Um, because they're not the ones donating to their campaigns. Um, in terms of what looks like in the fall, I have no idea. We have to remember that, you know, when you flatten a curve, it's not just shorter, it's also wider. So it lasts longer. Um, and we already have Trump and other governors wanting to reopen um, the economy um, as if the, the economy was like <laughs> this magical unicorn that must be protected at all times and this, this beautiful, fragile thing. Um, when it, it's supposed to serve us, the people. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think we'll definitely be sheltered in for the rest of the summer. That's my guess. But, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist. Um, for the fall, who knows? Do you see yourself staying? Um, do you feel like this is, you're going to stay a teacher through all of this? Um, well, I am actually running for office for city council. <laughs> oh, well, that's um, something I didn't know. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me and a thousand other people. So uh, <laughs> if, I, if I win next year, I, I won't be a teacher. Um, but, you know, uh, I'll always be an educator um, and be putting children first, which is what my campaign is about. It's about asking, like, how can we make societal changes so that our great-great-grandchildren have a city that they are grateful they've been handed by their ancestors um so whether or not i win uh, i'll still be an educator that's great well i just want to thank you so much it's been so enlightening to hear your story and i i it, deeply admire the active work that you've been doing your activism and how you you oh. are a proponent for children and oh. for a better world and i just want to thank you for that and thank you for taking your time like during remote learning to come on and, yeah. um, and talk to us. And I wish you luck as, as um, in your run for councilman. I think that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I just wanna say that like, no, nothing I'm doing is, um, is spectacular nor radical. Um, what I'm doing is just someone who cares about their community and is doing something about it. And I'm not the first. <laughs> Um, nor will I be the last. So uh, for anyone encouraged listening, I, I encourage you 
to um, ask yourself what you can do for your community if you're not already doing something. And if you are, thank you so much. Um, keep doing it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being part of Warriors of Education podcast. Thank you for having thank me. <laughs> this has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.